0: ESPN plus, so 296 alongside Hercules Gomez. I am Sevi Salazar. Hopefully things go smoother than they did for Gerard Pique on his exit at the Kings League Americas reveal. Herc, what happened? You didn't get a team. Shh.
1: Could be still in the works. Could okay. be still. I
0: got, I, got, I got friends in the,
1: King League, uh, the Kings League, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Just gotta pay attention. Number one rule. Okay. You can't be on your phone walking at the same time, acting aimlessly through places you don't understand or don't know or aren't familiar okay, with. Okay, Dad.
0: Okay, Boomer. Relax over there. Boomer? Just don't want to get hit. Don't want to walk into a wall. All right, coming up in this edition of Football Americas, man, we got a lot to get to. Fidel Barajas, a much-hyped dual national, could play for Mexico or the United States. Right now plays for the Charleston Battery. He's going to join us. Uh, and give us a little preview as well of Mexico's team at the upcoming U-17 World Cup, Herc. So that should be very interesting. Christine Alexander going to join us as well live from Barcelona as we get set for El Clásico, which is right here on ESPN Plus on Saturday. And we, of course, will be covering the MLS Cup playoffs. But let's start, Herc, in the Champions League because what a midweek it was for one Santiago Jimenez. Finor, hosting Lazio. Santi's long-awaited Champions League debut. Remember, he was suspended for the first two games. 10 minutes in, hurt.
1: He missed a sitter. I don't know about sitter, but he's gonna want that one back. He catches it. Ah, it's coming down. Gotta hit that bar post, at least get it on target. He does not.
0: Jimenez would get another chance just before the half-hour mark. He's in behind here, and maybe gets a little lucky, but that ball's getting across the line. What a moment. But wait, VAR says offside. Yeah,
1: it looks like it was the correct call, but he does this so well. He just runs the line, tiptoes it
0: so well. Six minutes after that, Jimenez gets his moment on that left foot, one-nothing. See, you could either let those moments define you,
1: or you could forget about it like a good nine and onto the next shows great strength, ability, poise
0: in the box, and it finishes it off. Pinor. up one-nothing at that point, up two-nothing in the second half. Santi's out here, rebound hunting, and he's gonna find one. Yeah, don't mistake this
1: for luck, all right? He's in and around the play the whole time. Holds his line, is onside.
0: It looks like an easy finish, but you gotta be there. Santiago Jimenez, in his Champions League debut, with a brace, has Feyenoord pick up. A 3-1 to victory over Lazio. He was subbed off in the 78th minute, so no chance at a hat-trick, uh, unfortunately. At least not late in the game, but we always love a dream debut, and we always here on Football Américas love some Santi stats. They have been ever positive of late. All right, Herc, as we mentioned, this was a much-hyped debut, and for once, it about lived up to it. About... About time. I mean,
1: and Santi Jimenez is absolutely that player to do it. He's been on fire, whether it's a uh, divisi whether it's cup games, whether it was Europa League last season. Can he do it at a higher level? We kept saying, can he do it somewhere that's not the divisi Well, he did it against a team from Italy that are supposed to be tactically, defensively very mm. structured, difficult to play against. And he scores two goals in his Champions League debut. And I mentioned it. He had a header in the first half. He had the goal that's called back you can let those moments define you. He does not. At an early age, he's showing all the signs of a player who could have a great
0: career. Yeah. I love who he did it against, her, Because Lazio's not having a great season right this no, second. They're, but they're, they're, they're a top four team out of Serie A last season for something they are in the Champions League. Yeah. Okay? And you, you don't get to be a top team out of Italy, one of the top five leagues in the world, without having some quality. But very specifically, Casale, Nicolo Casale, the guy that he was going up against that he was battling one-on-one. That is a six foot three, 25 year old center back that just got called into the Italian national team. That is a big dude in his prime from a country that knows how to produce defenders and say what you will Herc about the Italian national team. They are the reigning champions of Europe, okay? If you are not just doing well against that player but you are dominating that player and he dominated him. He spun him on the goal He got him to pick up a yellow card and he actually physically dominated him as well. He put his own arm into the guy's face and got himself a yellow card. Maybe not the smartest thing, but something you love to see from a Mexican forward. And maybe we haven't seen from a Mexican forward since the likes of probably Jared Borghetti, that generation. So I love what I saw from Santi Jimenez and I love how he did it. To dominate at this level is something that we hadn't seen before. I think you're right. There were some big goals in Europa League last year. There were some goals in the Dutch League. Doing against Lazio isn't Real Madrid, Well, we've but saw, it's still we saw this a step before. up. We
1: saw this before. Because he actually did it to Lazio in Europa League. He's got five goals against Lazio in, in European competition. You know, last year Europa League, this year Champions League. Lazio is not doing so well right now. But you ask Lazio if they expected that from Santi Jimenez. Uh, especially not playing his first two mm-hmm. Champions League games due to suspension. Ask anybody if they thought this would be the outcome. This would be what we would see or, or, or this response from Santi Jimenez. I think everybody's surprised by this.
0: Yeah, the Italian press, they're going crazy. Uh, they, they couldn't say enough nice things about him. And Feyenoord, by the way, it's translating into team success as well. Right now, they're first in the group. So, Santiago Jimenez dominating. And I think when we started the Champions League group phase, Herc, we probably wouldn't have picked Feyenoord as the team with CONCACAF representation most likely to get through. As things sit now, I think you've got to feel pretty good about their chances to reach the uh, knockout rounds of the Champions League. And then you would really got to see some uh, some good tests potentially for Santiago Jimenez. And maybe, Herc, some matchups against teams he might potentially play for. And that's where we're going next because there are reports out of Europe which suggest that Santiago Jimenez has two choices in terms of where he might end up. Two favorites. Tottenham Hotspur in the Premier League or Real Madrid in La Liga. Herc, where would you Rather see Santiago. All right, I got a case for why I would
1: want him to see go to a team and why I wouldn't want to see him go to mm-hmm. another team. But let me start off with why I would want to see him go to Spurs. Anj Postacoglu is by any means a coach that if you don't know who he is, research him. I'll give you a little background story. The, the Australian manager has really done his work, has really put his time in. Coached in Australia, coached in the Greek third division, coached in Japan, coached Celtic in Scotland, and he's got a theme about him. It doesn't matter where you're from, if you're a good player, he'll ignore the passports, he'll give you a chance, and he will make you chi- uh, shine. Excuse Angel ball is something serious, and for those nines, it's very physically demanding on both sides of the ball. You need to be able to run, you need to be able to work, you need to be able to understand movements. Santi Jimenez could be that nine. He could, he could shine in this type of system for Postecoglu. And we're talking about the best team in the Premier League right now, numbers-wise, but it doesn't have the reflectors. It doesn't have the shine or the circus of a team like Real Madrid. Now, here's my worry about Santi Jimenez going straight into the deep waters like a team like Real Madrid. You go back through its history of his transfers and whatnot, the Eri to Real Madrid. I I told you a few weeks ago that only John Class Juntalar had done it uh, in the mid-2000s, and that didn't go very well. Four goals scored. All right. Last time they spent some money. Last time they spent some money on a nine was, do you remember the player Jovilić, excuse me, it's a Luka Jovic. Luka Jovic, yes. the Serbian player. Out of been about 60 for million, years, right? Yeah, for, it was like 65 million euros. But for three years, Jovic was banging in goals in the Bundesliga from age 18 to 21. He had like 35 goals in three Bundesliga seasons. Gets sold big money to Real Madrid. And what happened, Seb? The mm. man ended up scoring two goals in La Liga. Gets let go. You he don't believe in Santiago thing.
0: Jimenez. There is That's what it is.
1: Finished, let me finish what I'm saying. Since then... Four, four seasons have gone by. The man scored 13 league goals. Right now, in case you're wondering where he's at, he's right in the bench right now with AC Milan, hasn't really played, hasn't scored a goal for them. You've got to be very careful to where you go. Mm. I'm not saying I don't believe in Santi Jimenez, but there are places that can set you up to shine. I do believe Spurs... forget about just how realistic it is because I think that could be realistic and there could be a good price tag that -hmm. works for everybody in there for him, in there for Spurs. But I think it's a situation where he will play. Let me ask you a question, Seb. Let me ask you a question. Let's say he goes, let's say he goes to Real Madrid and in 10 games scores five goals. Okay? But Mm -hmm. there's a kid who's lightening up in the Eredivisie, kind of like Santi's numbers. Do you think Santi's in trouble? No. Okay. No. Uh, okay, because th- those are Joselo's numbers, okay?
0: And Joselo has scored double-digit goals in they, the last four seasons. Did they invest in what in they're about to invest in Santiago Jimenez? You it's a very different story. Do you hear what I said? Joselo's a band-aid, and you know it. Uh,
1: listen to what I'm telling you. Listen to what I'm telling you. Joselo has scored double-digit goals in league play for the last four years, mm. okay? He's a Spanish national team forward. Sep, all I am telling you is it's a dangerous place to be.
0: Okay. Listen, I don't hate Tottenham. I actually think both of these would be great landing spots for him. I think they could be both great. I will go with Real Madrid for a few reasons here. One, I think the football fits him better. I think La Liga is probably a better fit for Santiago Jimenez if we look at his technical abilities. ...than the Premier League. I think there's also a history of guys going from the Dutch League... ...to the Premier League and struggling to adapt, okay? So I would like to see him make the jump to Spanish football. And of course, there's no bigger club in Spanish football... ...unless you're a Barcelona fan uh, than Real Madrid. I also think, Herc, just in terms of squad competition right now... ...if I were to compare Richarlison with José Lu... ...I think it's tougher to beat out Richarlison... ...for the number nine job at Spurs... ...than it's going to be to beat out José Lu... ...for the number nine job at Real Madrid... And producer Beto was worried. He said, no way, Real Madrid, because in a year or two, they're going to bring Mbappe, and then you're really in trouble. I don't think Mbappe has to play through the middle. I think if you look at where he's playing right now with PSG, he's off to the left side in a 4-3-3. They had him in a 4-4-2 the other day. He was playing with another forward right there. I don't think Mbappe has to play through the middle. I don't think that means Santiago Jimenez goes to the bench as soon as they bring Mbappe in. So I would love to see him at Real Madrid because, I believe in the player, and I think it's a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. The spot at Real Madrid, the opening that is there now, is not going to last for another transfer window or two, certainly not another summer transfer window or two. They are going to fill it. Tottenham Hotspur is an amazing club, but with all due respect, that will be there after you go to Real Madrid if you can't make it at Madrid. If you go to Tottenham Hotspur and it doesn't work out, forget ever having the chance at Real Madrid. You have to take this opportunity. Who's the coach right now at Real Madrid? Who's the
1: coach right now at Real Madrid? Ancelotti. Uh, who's the coach next year at Real Madrid? Ah, uh, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> oh, oh we Look don't at know. that. We don't know because he's most likely going to go to Brazil. And right now he's playing with two forwards, Rodrigo and Vinicius. So what you're asking for, mm-hmm. because Jude Bellingham is playing in that ten role, what you're asking for is for one of them to be let go, right? And if Mbappe comes in. Are you sending Vinicius to the bench so Santi Jimenez can play?
2: With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management.
0: Bro, we're talking about a top four with Jude, I'm just asking Santi, you a Vini, I'm asking you a question. Mbappe, unstoppable. <laughs> you not Luis Enrique with the top four. Come on, unstoppable. Uh, it'll be Xavi Alonso in charge. That's and he'll he'll figure out how to do it in the top four. He's a good coach. He knows Hopefully, it will be Xavi. All right, uh, let's continue in the Champions League, but turn our focus to some American players at AC Milan. Two in particular: Christian Pulisic and Yunus Musa who started for Milan against PSG. Polišic going the full 90, and Musa Herc subbing out in the 77th minute of a 3-0 defeat. Yeah, it
1: was, it was one of those games for them. Listen, I thought Milan was in it till they weren't, right? They give the ball away, and Mbappe isolates your center back one-on-one, and this is going to happen. You can't give this type of space to that type of player, and it was a common theme throughout the night. Kirk Pulisic had a big chance just after the half. Here it is. Yeah, I would love for him to be more selfish in this position. Don't look for the play where you're trying to get Giroud a shot on goal. Look for it yourself. That should have been you. Wait for it. Be patient. Take a shot off the volley. But it's a very
0: difficult ball for Giroud. So a banner night for PSG and a brutal night for Milan. Kolo there tucks it in put psg up to nothing milan winless in champions league group play and right now finds themselves dead last in their group trouble trouble herc uh, after this defeat to psg how worried are you about the americans at ac milan and their champions league chances <laughs> their, their champions league chances yeah I'm, I'm- obviously worried they're last
1: place right now in the group of death Uh, so you should be worried because there's very good teams in front of them Um, obviously Dortmund got a surprise win at Newcastle PSG even though they took a thumping to Newcastle very much in the driver's seat so you should be worried Milan's the only team uh, that's not even scored a goal in their group so you should be worried but let me tell you why this goes beyond the Americans being worried like Christian Pulisic's been one of the better players this season for Milan. He's the leading goal scorer right now. He was, besides Mignao, the goalkeeper, he was their best player. He's Milan's best player against PSG. That means very little in a game you lose uh, by three goals. So, uh, But he was their best player. That's a reality. Musa, Moussa, um, I think he's exceeded expectations they both have, but Yunus especially, in terms of how much I thought he would play and where he would play, he seems to have really or earned Stefano Pioli's trust, and he plays in multiple positions. Uh, so he's a player that's been trustworthy for Pioli. But when it comes to Milan, their, their problems stem much more than what they mean for the Americans. We're talking about a team that's not scored in the last five Champions League games. Uh, the two-game series versus Inter in the semifinal last season, and three group stage games this season. And I'll tell you what, when you watch each and every one of their games, they shoot themselves in the foot First game against uh, Newcastle, they completely dominate Newcastle at home. Should have beat them 4 0, maybe 3 4 0. They can't put the ball <clears throat> in the back of the net. Rafael Al, uh, would not stop missing. He would not stop making difficult errors in front of the goal. Uh, it's just been that type of thing. PSG, a team that's completely transitioned, that plays a 4 2 4, Luis Enrique, and you want to press him in a way where if they bypass that press, you've got four guys running at your four defenders. And it's a one-way track meet with some of the best players in the world like Kylian Mbappe. Of course it's going to hurt you. They've been shooting themselves in the foot. So it goes much more beyond than the Americans and how it fares for them in this Champions League. It's a, it's a growing trend.
0: Herc, it's one thing if you finish third. If you finish fourth, you miss out on Europa League. So that would worry me because you want these guys playing in at least some type of European football. You want them getting that, that international experience, especially a guy like Moussa. And I think between the two... If this is headed towards a Champions League failure, which if you look at it right now, it it does look pretty bleak for Milan, I'd be more worried about him because I think his spot is quite obviously, in in terms of the starting lineup, it's it's less solid, right? right? We know they got plenty of guys in the midfield that are coming back soon. uh, And when that quality returns, it was always going to be tough for him to hold on to a spot. But had Milan gotten off to a very strong start in Champions League, you know how it is for coaches, it's always tough to make changes uh, when things are working out. At this point, maybe they're not working out. And so you worry. Uh, On the play that everybody's talking about right there in the second half, it's obviously such a key moment uh, in the game. The game very much still hangs in the balance. How big a mistake was that from Polišic not to take it himself? That was the mistake. It was the cleanest, clearest chance that
1: they had. And you want to see him be selfish. Listen, Rafa Lau's been more than selfish this season. Uh, It's a play that you have to at least test the goalkeeper It's more difficult of a play to try to pass it on with the way it's bouncing and the angle, and two, you're trying to play to Oliver Giroud into space than it would be to take a shot coming off the bounce with pressure on your back who all strikers dream about. It's one of those plays that if I'm there, if you're there, anybody's there, your eyes get big. You dream about a situation like that where the ball's sitting up for you, and Christian Pulisic decided to dish it off, decided to give it to Oliver Giroud. You got to take
0: that. Yeah, there it is. So uh, Christian Pulisic and Yunus Musa, part of the AC Milan 11 that falls 3-0 to PSG in Champions League play. Speaking of the Champions League, we got more CONCACAF involvement. Luis Palma, the Honduran, scoring his first Champions League goal for Celtic in their draw against Atletico Madrid. And this is a banger by Palma. Listen, good control, catches it off the bounce, nice little strike off the post and in. This had some English on it been a rough couple of years for Honduran soccer at the international level, but maybe some signs of life here, Luis Palma getting it done in the Champions League for Celtic. Meanwhile, in Europa League, Orbelin Pineda finds the back of the net for AK Athens against Marseille.
1: Yeah, just hear me out for a second, Orbelin Pineda, uh, great year last year, only his second goal of the year has really been struggling.
0: And a reminder, Bundesliga will be back on your ESPN Plus screens this weekend. Borussia Dortmund taking on Eintracht Frankfurt. Coverage starts Sunday, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. You can watch right here on ESPN Plus or on ESPN2. It's the most
4: beautiful partido rock and roll. desired deseado, no?
5: A classic be on the TV, and you would want to watch. Amazing to be part of this.
0: El Clásico coming up on Saturday from Barcelona. Coverage starts 9 a.m. Eastern Time, right here on ESPN Plus. Kickoff at 10:15 a.m. Eastern Time, so an hour plus pregame show to get you ready. Barcelona coming in off a Champions League win against. Shakhtar Donetsk, same story for Real Madrid. They beat Braga on Tuesday. Real Madrid one point ahead of Barcelona in the La Liga table. For Saturday's game won't be at the iconic Camp Nou. No, instead, at Barcelona's new home away from home, the Olympic Stadium at Montjuic, as the Camp Nou undergoes renovations. And joining us now live from Barcelona with more ahead of El Clásico, Cristina Alexander. Cristina, great to have you back with us here on Football Américas. We appreciate you staying up late over there in Spain. Now, I was checking out your Instagram. I saw you got a chance to speak with Ilkay Gundogan, one of the midfielders there for Barcelona. I want to know what he said, but more importantly, I've looked ahead in the rundown. We have our betting segment, Book It, coming up, so I need to know specifics. Give me the full injury update on Barcelona, because right now, Chris... They're in a bit of a crisis, aren't they?
5: Yeah, just a little bit of a crisis, Sebi, Herc. I always love hanging out with you guys. I I would only stay up this late for you guys. And the coffee's really good here, so I can't Mm. really complain. And the food is just amazing. But that's something completely different. Let's talk about these injuries, because that's been something that's been on Xavi's mind, whether he likes it or not, in the last few weeks, months even. The one most important, of course, in the last few weeks has been the Robert Lewandowski situation, which uh, sources close to Barcelona have confirmed to ESPN that He is willing to get some help for tomorrow in order to be able to at least be available for Xavi upcoming on on Friday, on Saturday. It's the same case for Frankie de Jong, but we know the kind of injuries that they're dealing with. We know Jules Koundé isn't going to be there. We know Pedri still has a little bit to go before he's recovered. But there's this other story that's been really great to see from Football Club Barcelona, which is what the fans have wanted for a while now and that's bringing La Masia back to center stage and that's what we've seen since Ronald Kuman had to do that but now we've seen some of these players come to fruition the average age of the players who were on the attacking positions yesterday in the Champions League match Herc, 18 years old mm. so yeah it's this really tough story of these injuries and having to kind of in a plan B C in in these kids, essentially, in 16 and 17 year olds, which is crazy to see. See, but one of the things that Ilke Gundogan told me is that, yeah, they're young players, but they've proven that they're ready for big games. And that's the big message that they're sending across, not only on the inside, but it's translating on the field.
1: Well it sounds like the kids are going to be on display not only for Barcelona but also on the Real Madrid side and most importantly Jude Bellingham I mean Mm. he's one of the best players in the world right now off to a hard hot start came out injured in that game Champions League versus Braga where he scored again uh, what are they saying about Jude Bellingham what's the vibe around the city right now with Jude Bellingham.
5: Yeah the vibe Herc is that he's going to be there that there's no problem Uh, he even clarified it yesterday Fans, it's okay, I'll be at El Clasico on Saturday. And of course they're worried about him. And Carlo Ancelotti is worried about him because that's been the theme since Jude Bellingham has gotten to Real Madrid. Not only the goals that he's been scoring, but the way that Ancelotti has really adapted the system now for Jude Bellingham, playing behind Rodrigo, who's found the goal after almost completing a 1,000 minutes without it. We had not seen that goal from him since week one. And of course, Vinicius Jr. coming back from an injury. So, of course, Jude Bellingham gets a little knock and everybody's kind of holding their breath because of what Jude Bellingham means for this Real Madrid team. And at the end of the day, it's calmness with Jude Bellingham. Keep calm, carry on. Jude will be there. And it's the same case for João Felix because we know that he's become important enough to be a worry if he maybe isn't available for Barcelona. But of course, it was just a knock on his hip. In the Champions League, yeah, Champions League was a, a two scares for Barcelona and for Real Madrid. So they're they're tied, but at the same time, Joao Felix, Jude Bellingham, they'll, they'll be there. Because I, I asked Ilkay Gundogan about Jude Bellingham as well, and he kind of tiptoed around the question. I'm not going to lie, just saying that it's a collective effort and they can't just focus on one player. It's a collective effort because of what Real Madrid really brings to the table, which is a lot.
0: It may be a collective effort, but without those 11 goals, can you imagine where Real Madrid would be right now? Top of the table, things, uh, things looking good uh, at the moment ahead of El Clásico. All right, let's focus on the atmosphere. One in the city, of course, you know, you're out there on the ESPN, on the Disney dime, enjoying Barcelona. So give us a little bit of the color of the city. Um, but also specifically anything that you're hearing about the stadium, because we've done some pre-games on ESPN Plus for Barcelona games uh, at Montjuic, and especially ahead of El Clásico. I wonder if it not being at the camp now will impact this game.
5: Yeah, that's one of the things that I'm most interested in saying. Uh, to be completely honest, this is my first El Clásico. I'm insanely excited about it, but more than anything, because it's a historic situation, because we're going to see it at Montjuic. Um, some of my colleagues were able to attend the Champions League match yesterday, about 42,000, a little more than 42,000 that attended. And they didn't expect that that many fans to be at this Shakhtar match. There was less fans at the weekend game against uh, Club. But the reason why they didn't expect so many fans to be there last night was because it was about 6 p.m. local time so folks are still getting off work and we know that that it's kind of like on a top of a hill a top of a little mountain I don't want to call it a big mountain it's not too big but it's still a ways to get there which is one of the things and that's why fans haven't really uh, been wanting to make those games every time so that that'll be interesting to see because they were there for the Champions League match and the atmosphere I, I was told was fantastic and that's what we're hoping for on Saturday that's what everybody here is hoping for at Monjuic because at the end of the day it's a Clásico. the fans are going to show up because the team really needs them right now these kids that I was mentioning really need the fans to show up. But it'll be interesting because we know that because of the Olympic of the track and everything, the fans are a little bit more far away. But I feel like that kind of challenges the fans a little bit to just be even louder. So I'm interested to see that. But, yeah, it's it's around 50,000 capacity, and that's what they're expecting.
0: There she is, Christina Alexander. Thanks so much for staying up late with us here on Football Américas, Christina. As always, great to have you on the show.
5: Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys.
0: All right, Herc, let's make some money here on Football Américas. It's time for Book It. We just got the full injury report there from Christine Alexander, so we know who's going to be in, who's going to be out, pretty much uh, ahead of Barcelona against Real Madrid, which, again, you can watch right here on ESPN+. Plus. Coverage starts 9 a.m. Eastern time on Saturday morning. Herc, what are you giving the good folks who follow this show to bring home the bacon come Saturday? Straight winners, homie. I was going to say wingers. Winners. Uh,
1: By the way, I can't believe that Barca is favored in this game. They got a hospital out there, and uh, Mm. Real Madrid is still Real Madrid. All right. I went with a little parlay, two-pick parlay. Go with the over two-and-a-half goals, and Jude Bellingham, anytime goal scorer at plus Mm -hmm. 260. It's pretty straightforward, man. Let's do some numbers. The last six games Mm -hmm. in La Liga for el Clásico, the over at two-and-a-half has hit... And guess what Jude Bellingham has been doing this season? Whether it's La Liga, whether it's Champions League, who, by the way, he scored every single Champions League game, it's scoring goals! This man's got 11 goals, 3 assists, in 12 competitive games for Real Madrid. He's entering legendary status with Real Madrid at 20 years of age. Do you know what else he needs to do to start evolving more into that Real Madrid legend? Score against Barcelona. That's mm. what you got to do. That's what Jude has to do. And that's what he's going to do.
0: Plus 260. Plus 260. Okay, that's a healthy payout there on the uh, Hercules Gomez El Clasico Parlay. Over two and a half goals and Jude Bellingham anytime goal scorer. Really going out on a, wing, on, a, on a limb there. All right, for my pick, Wing. here we go. Daddy needs a winner. <laughs> All right, Real Madrid double chance, which basically means Real Madrid can win or draw. And I also need the total goals scored to be fewer than three and a half. So Real Madrid t- double chance, under three and a half goals. You smash that together in a parlay, it pays out at plus 145. It's no plus 260, Herc. Uh, so not as not as a dynamic of an investment, but equally exciting here. So, why am I going Real Madrid? Well, as we just discussed, I mean, Barcelona's in big trouble, right? I mean, basically on Wednesday, I think it's they had 12 first-team players available for the Champions League game against Shakhtar Donetsk. You heard about all the firepower that they're missing. Uh, and listen, this is a pretty good Real Madrid team. They've lost just once so far all season in La Liga. So, betting against them to lose, I think, is a, a pretty safe bet. As far as the underhurt, and I'm a little bit worried, because you said over two and a half goals, I'm going under here because Barcelona's missing a lot of guys. Because if you look at Barcelona's recent record in wins, I think three of their last four wins are one nothing. And then Real Madrid's defensive record. They've only conceded seven goals all season in La Liga. Fewest in La Liga. And maybe there's some part of me that's hoping that it's a Clásico. Things are a little bit tight. The fact that it's not at the camp now, that it's at the, uh, the Manjuique, As Christina was just explaining, maybe takes a little bit of the air out of this thing. And we don't get as many goals and we get an under three and a half, What do you think about that? Could be. I mean, listen, Jude Bellingham's roughed up.
1: Lewandowski may need to get an injection, some painkillers to play. If he does play, Joao Fennec also roughed up, came out of that game in the Champions League versus Shakhtar. Uh, they're going to rely on these youngsters. It is still a Clasico. Mm-hmm. Christina mentioned the Olympic Stadium, so there's a track around the soccer or they're on the football field, so it's going to be further away from the fans. That could play. An element in this as well. Who
0: knows, man? It's el clásico. All I know is we're going to see some fireworks. As always, when it comes to listening to our picks, wait until the lineups come out. Okay? It's tough. To, it's tough to make predictions on Thursday when we don't have lineups. We don't have 18s yet, even. Don't be scared. So wait till the lineups come out. You told the people to bet. Don't be scared. No, I'm just. I'm just saying. Keep an eye on the lineups. You know, you, you got to be an informed investor, uh, as we like to say here on Football Américas. All right, back to our neck of the woods. Major League Soccer wild card round going down on Wednesday. Here's your Eastern Conference 8 9 New York Red Bulls against Charlotte FC. Herc, this one was never close. The Red Bulls scored three goals in the first 37 minutes of a 5 2 win. Yeah, I
3: mean,
1: ridiculous game for the Red Bulls. I think this is their. Our- First playoff win, as far as I can remember, and wow, I don't even know when. It's been a while. Good to see that atmosphere, the way it was in New York. Brought back some memories. That free kick by John Tolkien, nice free kick,
0: but the wall, the wall. That was in the Eastern Conference. In the Western Conference, Sporting Kansas City and San Jose met in the 8-9 affair. It went to a penalty shootout, and surprise, surprise, Tim Melia was a hero.
1: Yeah, Tim Melia, okay, I get it, I get it. But how about this? Oh, no! Oh, and then he's gonna grab his foot. I think I injured myself. What are you doing here, Alan?
0: Not the Alan way you want Pulido to be. there with uh, one of the worst penalties you will ever see for Sporting Kansas City. However, uh, it wasn't enough for San Jose. As Sporting Kansas City wins in a shootout and punches their ticket into the playoffs proper, as we like to say. Here's a look at your First round matchups, again, this is a best of three with this uh, new playoff format that everybody's absolutely buzzing about. Means we got some good brackets. Good bracket on the west side, good bracket on the east side. You know how we divide this show up. Herc is on the west coast, I'm on the east coast. So, Herc, why don't you give us your bracket for Major League Soccer's Western Conference playoffs? All right, let's go.
1: Let's put the bracket up there so the good people can see. All right. St. Louis Sporting KC, no this may be one of the first and only upsets that I truly have. I got St. Louis bowing out to Sporting Kansas City. Listen, St. Louis, what? St. Louis, two wins in the last eight games. One of those was to Sporting Kansas City, okay, but Sporting Kansas City, wow. one loss in the last five. It is a rivalry game. Each team know, knows what it's like to beat the other. I'm going with the surprise team, surprise team here in Sporting Kansas City. And then Houston against Salt Lake. This may be the toughest one out of the East and West to call, I'm being Mm -hmm. honest. Uh, You got two teams that are very difficult, a high-scoring affair with Salt Lake, but you got a team in Houston that's a completely different team. With Ben Olsen, this isn't your Houston teams of the past. Hector Herrera, second in assist, only behind Tiago Almada. Uh, Houston does have the upper hand in the three times they faced each other this season. One draw. Two wins, 6-1 aggregate score there. LAFC versus Vancouver. I am sorry, my Vancouver friends. I think LAFC handles this one and, and maybe easily. And then Seattle mm. Sounders versus FC Dallas. I am going with Seattle. And, ojo, oh, ojo, oh, very good defensive team. The best in the league, by the way. 32 goals against in 34 regular season games against a team that, when they meet in the playoffs, goes very well for them. So I took the Sounders. And then Sporting Kansas City versus the Houston Dynamo. I'm gonna ride the Houston Dynamo here. I'm gonna give Hector Herrera, Ben Olsen, their due. I like what they've done. I like the style. I like how they've given players a second chance, a new lease on life, and how they're responding. I think Sporting Kansas City is gonna run out of steam here. Remember, there is a three-game, three-game series in the first round. It may come down to that against St. Louis. So I will take Houston, LAFC, Seattle. Uh, This is uh, one that's very uncomfortable for LAFC. They've had Mm. some demons when it comes to Seattle. I will take that again. I will take the Seattle Sounders. Defense wins championships. It's that type of mode in the playoffs. And then Houston versus Seattle in the Western Conference Final. You have to say something when it comes to familiarity. Familiarity, excuse me. Uh, They've got a team that's won it before, been there before, with a coach that's won it before, been there before, with a goalkeeper, even though he's never been the MLS goalkeeper of the year, has won it before, been there before, the best goalkeeper statistically in these playoffs, for my money, the best defender and Yamar Gomez-Andrade and the Nicolás Lodeiro redemption tour. We now know this will be Nicolás Lodeiro's, that's right, Mr. Sounder, Lodeiro's last postseason in a Sounder uniform. Expect mm. something special for a man who's already put in double digits assist. Oh, did I mention Jordan Morris had double digit goals and Leo Shu found his mojo? I just think this is a team that has all the elements to ride that
0: to the Western Conference final. I thought you were Mr. Sounder. I'm Mr. Everything. Okay. Mr. One. So you are boy. picking the Sounders then to beat Houston in yes. the Western Conference final. Got it. All right, well, somewhere Tim Parker should get a screenshot, a screen grab of your bracket. He yeah, you for know Houston Tim Parker. Anymore was very bitter about everybody that picked St. Louis 14th during the regular season. So if they do get past Sporting Kansas City, he'll know where to look for his
1: tweet. He wasn't bitter enough to uh, win his last two games of this regular season. Oh, oh, so I'm just Josh messing with him. him. I love him. I'm just messing with him.
0: Um, LAFC Seattle, that's going to be, if we get that one, that's going to be a good one out there uh, in the West. All right, let's do the Eastern Conference, shall we? Let's put my picking expertise to the test. All right, round one, best of three, FC Cincinnati, New York Red Bulls. I know on the show the other day, I said that the New York Red Bulls had no chance, even if they advanced from the eight, nine game, to do anything against FC Cincinnati. Boy, after seeing them put up five, I might be changing my tune a little bit. I think they could push it to three, but I still think FC Cincinnati gets through. Philadelphia, New England. Look, I think New England's just been through too much towards the back end of this season. I don't think they're the same team. I think Philadelphia gets through here. They're postseason proven. Columbus, Atlanta. I'm going against the chalk here. There's something about this Atlanta team. And I don't know what it is because you cannot trust them unless you're you're betting both both teams to score. Then you can definitely trust Atlanta. Um, But I've got Atlanta going through, and i got Orlando beating Nashville there in the 2-7. So you're going to have a nice little southeast showdown there, Orlando-Atlanta in one semifinal, and the FC Cincinnati-Philadelphia in the other. Let's start with that one up top because that's a doozy okay everybody knows everybody the front offices the coaching staffs everybody's basically best friends I think it's going to be tough but I think FC Cincinnati gets through something about Philadelphia this year in big games and then on top of that just the wear and tear right Philly's played a lot of games and we know with MLS rosters that are limited you know it can be it can be tough to get yourself ready although there will be some time before we get to that semifinal round I'm going Orlando City over Atlanta. I really like what I'm seeing from Orlando. And as I said, I think Atlanta has some deficiencies. Even if it's Columbus that gets past um, Atlanta, I still think Orlando will get through to the final. I got FC Cincinnati against Orlando. So I'm basically going chalk there, right? I get one against two in the Eastern Conference Final. But, Herc, I am going with Orlando City. That's right. They've won their last four. Going back to July 9th, Herc, they have one loss in league play. Oscar Pareja, I don't know what Orlando is doing. I don't go. think they've given this guy a contract yet for the next year. Maybe he's going to have to win a cup and walk off into the sunset. But I think he's going to do it. And I think that's who gets out of the Easter Conference. What do you say?
1: I don't like it. Uh, who I, do you like? I like Nashville. I like Nashville to upset Wow! Ups, upset. Nashville's, Nashville's tied with <laughs> Seattle Sounders. You don't even
0: think Orlando's going to get out of the first round.
1: Na- Nashville, Nashville's tied with the Seattle Sounder, excuse me, as the best defensive team uh, in Major League Soccer. I think they're going to ride a Leagues Cup-esque type of play into the postseason. I don't have them making the final, but I think uh, Nashville's going to be a team to contend with. Do I have them making the final? Now you got me. Now you got me second guessing myself. Uh, but
0: I, I like Columbus over Atlanta as well. That's what I will say. Okay. Yeah. All right, so if you combine us, then uh, I've got Orlando. Herc's got, well, surprise, surprise, Sounders TV. He's got, so we got Seattle versus Orlando potentially. I've been right right a lot there. In the MLS Cup final. All right, in MLS awards news, Herc, surprise, surprise, Lionel Messi is up for an honor. Now, we've talked about this before on the show. Remember, we kind of raised our eyebrows when he was nominated by Inter-Miami for both MVP and Newcomer of the Year. Well, it's one thing to get nominated. It's another thing to be one of three finalists for an award. And Leonel Messi is a finalist for MLS Newcomer of the Year. He only played six league games, though, for Inter-Miami. And there you saw the stats. Not all that impressive. One goal and two assists. Herc, are you cool with it, Messi being a finalist for MLS Newcomer of the Year?
1: No, and Messi will probably say, what, for reals? Like, seriously, this isn't... A- I'm sure Messi would feel embarrassed. Now... It's just so peak MLS. One goal. One goal. Two assists. Six games. A little like over 300 minutes. Let me read the criteria, Mm -hmm. okay, that they send out to the people who vote, okay? The 2023 year-end awards are meant to honor the top performers during the 2023 MLS regular season. They highlighted that. Game performances during League's Cup Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup, Canadian Championship, Campeones Cup, or the CONCACAF Champions League should not be considered. Bold and underlined. What are we doing? What are we doing? Everything that people hate about Major League Soccer is on display here. We don't care about this marketing ploy. We don't care about you trying to use Messi. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to use Messi. Nobody cares that People despise this type of thing. Messi himself should feel a little irked here. The worst thing here isn't that the club would do it. Isn't that the league would do it. Is there people out there, actual press with credentials, Mm -hmm. who write about the game, who follow the game, who have voted him Mm -hmm. in as a finalist. It's just disappointing. Yeah.
0: I mean, if you ask anybody, MLS fan or not, who the newcomer in MLS was this year, they would definitely tell you Lionel Messi. But I think the thing that you said there that's most important is game performance, right? We're not doing this on jerseys sold. We're not doing this on TV or media impact. We're just doing it on game performances. Clearly, for what he did in MLS, you can't give him newcomer uh, of the year. Herc, I believe you and I will be announcing our ballots for the big awards next week. And I'm pretty sure... Well, I know I didn't vote for Lionel Messi. And based on what you just said, I don't think you voted him for, I don't have uh, press
1: credentials, so I voted for Messi. Newcomer of the year.
0: No, but this is for the uh, <laughs> Football America's internal poll, uh, and we will announce that uh, all just next kidding. week, including MVP, which Messi is not a finalist for. Bundesliga back on your screens this coming weekend on ESPN+. Plus. Our good friend Pellegrino Matarazzo and Hoffenheim taking on Stuttgart that uh, Pavel Pardo and Ricardo Osorio once took to a Bundesliga title. Coverage starts 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time on Saturday right here on ESPN+.
3: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets, but expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
0: Get this away, but it's one right back and moved out wide. Rodriguez cuts it back. Barajas just passes that into the corner.
1: The young star for the Charleston
0: What a comfortable finish, as you say, from Barajas. Such a clever player. Knew exactly where he had to put that ball and how much pace. 17-year-old Fidel Barajas with one of five goals for the Charleston Battery in their USL playoff opening win over Indy 11 last weekend. Part of a pretty good run recently for the Mexican-American dual national. He's been named to the Guardian's list of top 60 young footballers in the world. And just this week, he was also named USL Championship Young Player of the Year. And for all those honors, what a thrill for him it must be to join us now on Football Americas. Great to have him joining us from the Charleston Battery. Fidel, great to have you on the show, man. We've been keeping an eye on you for what feels like years now with your exploits with the Mexican youth national team popping up into our top 10. So so great to finally land you as an interview. Welcome to Football Americas.
4: No, thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate
0: it. So, Let's get a little bit of uh, the background, Fidel, on your story, because not everybody knows uh, kind of how you came to the Charleston Battery. And I'm curious, because you really started your career in, in Northern California, right? I see you have some connections with San Jose Earthquakes and then with Sacramento Republic. So how do you get from the West Coast uh, all the way over to Charleston? And, and why would you settle on the Battery specifically?
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I first started in some club teams in Sacramento. That's where I'm from. Uh, and I moved on to Sac Republic. Uh, I was there for I think less than a year, and then I moved on to San Jose Earthquakes, where I took uh, put my game to another level. And I mean, I, I think it was less than a year two before I, I came to Charleston for for trials. And I mean, thank God I made the team, and it's been it's been it's been really good ever since then. I mean, last year I joined the, the team really late in the season, and I just had a really good really good season so far. Thank to God and supporting from my parents has been it's been really good.
1: This man says he took his game to another level, but this year he scored five goals and he's got 10 assists and he's 17 years old, Seth, playing with grown men. Yeah. Fidel, talk to me about what happened. What was the change? Where where did the change happen to take you from a kid trying to make his name to playing with full-fledged adults and, and dominating at your age?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, you know, knowing knowing I have the level to play any any USL or, or club team, you know, I feel like over the years I've been improving my game and I mean with the coaches and players I had around me just it just it just came out I mean this year with uh with the battery having players experience from MLS or players that have been in the league for a while they've been pushing me really in training and thank God I've been doing really good and the season has been just been a blast for me.
0: He said it just came out you know it just came out the celebration after his goal over the weekend. All right, the, the goal was smooth. My man passed it into the back of the net. But I don't know if you saw the dance. It had shades of, of Orbelin. Of orbelin, the, the Orbelin?
1: I saw two. Okay. Which okay, one was
0: so, it? We had some dancing going on there. But, I mean, what, what a goal for you. What a moment to get that goal in the playoffs. And, and looking forward, you guys got, what, Birmingham uh, coming up on Saturday. You think you can keep yeah. the good times rolling?
4: Yeah, I feel like, I mean, this past weekend when we played uh, Indy 11, we just showed what type of team we are. And what type of level we can compete at. So I mean, Saturday is just another, just another game. That's how we gotta treat it. And hopefully, we win the whole thing.
1: Listen, I, I feel, I feel weird even asking you this question. I feel like I gotta have your parents next to you. But what's next for you? Like, are we talking about Europe? Are you talking domestic? What's, what's, what's next in your mind? In your cards?
4: Yeah, I mean, I mean, with the World Cup coming up, and I think for every player, their dream is to play in Europe First Division. I feel like not just everyone, but that's that's my main goal, and I feel like that's where I'm headed. I mean, the way I've been playing this season, hopefully, and taking that to the World Cup, I think helping many doors to go to Europe.
0: For that what kind of soccer would interest you in Europe? And and do you have, like, a timetable for when you might like to go? I mean, you're still a really young guy. You're just 17.
4: Uh, I mean, anywhere in the top five leagues is it's a dream. And, I mean... I feel like, I mean, after the World Cup, it's, it's, it's the latest I want to go. Hopefully, right after the World Cup, you know, we figure it out and, and I'm headed over there. That's the, that's, the, that's the plan. And I feel like it's possible.
1: Fidel, I'd imagine seeing some of these other kids in the US, so I believe the numbers are now like in almost 10, if not over 10, have gone over the years to Europe. That's got to encourage you to kind of think it's tangible, like it can happen.
4: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, I was close to Joshua Winder, and he, he went to Benfica, so he's just another role model and shows that this league could, could make players like that, you know, and could take players over there, so, I mean, I think it's possible.
0: Fidel, you keep mentioning the World Cup. You're obviously talking about the U-17 World Cup that's coming up, but I looked at the schedule. Correct me if I'm wrong here. I mean, if Charleston goes all the way to the final, and I know that's what you want, uh, that would run into the beginning of the U-17 World Cup. So what's the plan for you uh, as far as playing for Mexico at the U-17 World Cup? You were a huge part, man, of the team that qualified Mexico for this event. So I know you want to be a part of it.
4: Yeah, I mean, I was supposed to leave yesterday to to the camp. That's when we, when we started with Mexico. Uh, I mean, we communicated with the club in Mexico. And thank God they let me stay for for another game on Saturday. And yeah, it sucks, man. I won't be here for the, the conference finals or the championship. But, I mean, I know the team The team can carry on without me. And, I mean, I'm just another plus to the team. And without me, I feel they, they can still do fine. They'll, they'll win the whole thing.
1: You know, Fidel, I feel like a lot of players in your position um, are talking to both federations, the Mexican Federation and the U.S. Soccer Federation. I'm curious, what have those combos been like with U.S. Soccer, and is that door shut for you?
4: Uh, I mean, no, I wouldn't say that they're shut. Uh, this year has been since the beginning of the year with, the, with February and the CONCAP. I've just been really focused on Mexico, especially since we qualified. I feel like this cycle has been really focused just on Mexico, especially since the World Cup's coming up and, and I'm going with them. But I wouldn't say it would be closed. I mean, who knows next year or in a couple of years, I could get called up back with US. And, and I mean, the whole decision would change then. But I mean, right now, it's just really focused on Mexico.
0: Hey, Mexico has a pretty good history at the Under-17 World Cup, Fidel. I know you know about that. So tell me, yeah. you know, tell me about this Under-17 team that's about to go to the World Cup. Do you guys have what it takes to win it all?
4: Yeah, I think we've shown in the Concacaf, especially winning against top teams like Mexico and Canada and just winning the whole thing. I feel like we're a top team and, and we have a, a, we're like a team to keep an eye out. So I feel like with me and every other player that's, that's on the Mexican national team, I think we have what it takes to win.
1: You know, Fidel, you're one of their top prospects. I'm just curious if when the Mexican national team was, you know, around uh, the Carolinas, you got a phone call, you were invited out, you spoke to anybody.
4: Uh, Could you repeat that again?
1: So you're one of the top prospects, you know, in Mexico right now. I'm curious if when the national team was in or around your guys' area, if you were invited out, if there was a phone call, if there were more extended talks with anybody in the federation.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, I've been with Mexico for, for a year and a half now. So, ever since then, I mean, especially playing at a professional level, and it's my team, they're mainly playing in academy. Uh, I feel like they, I mean, going up to the 20s and hopefully senior team soon. That's the, that's the plan. That's the plan. My man is moving on up and doing so
0: very, very quickly. There he is, Fidel Barajas. Good luck on Saturday against Birmingham in the USL playoffs, man. We'll be rooting for you here on Football Américas.
4: Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Good luck, man. Thank you.
0: Elsewhere in USL, owners, Orange County SC have launched an investment program offering fans around the world a chance to buy into the club. All right, so we're seeing this up more and more around USL. Get a chance to own a piece of the team you root for Orange County. Of course, your 2021 USL Champions. And as has been discussed on this show prior, they're very big in the youth development space, having already sent a a couple of prospects over to European clubs. And of course, ESPN Plus is your official home for the USL Championship playoffs underway on Friday, Sacramento Republic against San Antonio. Sacramento Republic, I believe, is the team that Herc has picked in his bracket to win it all. Then Saturday, you got Charleston against Birmingham, your next chance to watch Fidel Barajas play in the USL. Louisville City against Detroit City. Detroit City, the eight seed, the upset Kings in there. And then the aforementioned Orange County against Phoenix Rising. Will Hercules Gomez attend the game? That's what everybody wants to know. I guess you'll have to find out Saturday night there in the OC. Time to talk some Liga MX work. We got a big name out of a job, Toluca. Have fired manager Ignacio Nacho Ambriz. With uh, Toluca right now sitting eighth in the table, four wins, six draws, and three losses from the first 13 games of the season. Ambrise, a uh, longtime Mexican international. At one point, had Toluca playing very well, so well that Herc called him TSG, TSG for PSG. What happened to Nacho Ambrise? Herc, are you cool with his dismissal?
1: I have to be cool with it because ultimately one could say like maybe the results weren't there. You could say he was on a winless streak um, if you wanted to or you could say he was on an unbeaten streak. He was one loss in the last five games depending on how you want to look at it but he's in eighth position and in pole position to make a top four finish. Mm. What I don't understand is the why, like why, why fire a coach right now with four games left? Yeah, why still, now, right? Yeah, who's why still now? in prime position. So I've been rattling my brain. There's obviously a lot of reports going about. There was to my understanding, a meeting between the board, the ownership and Ignacio Ambriz. And in this meeting, something happened. There was a trigger where Ignacio Ambriz and the board decided it was best for both of them to go their separate ways. Now. Right before this meeting, weeks prior to this meeting, almost a month prior to this meeting, things were heating up that the Costa Rica Federation wanted Ignacio Ambriz. Did that play a factor? I don't know. But something happened for a team that one year ago made the final and is still in prime position to make a run. This season lets a coach who will be a hot commodity on the market go like this. I don't know what it is. I don't know how
0: cool I am with it. I think we need more information, but something ain't right. You think it'll be a hot commodity? Yes. I I love Nacho Ambriz. In fact, I think when we, after the World Cup, did a dream manager for the Mexican national team, I think he was my safety pick, right, of of Mexican managers. If I were to give a guy a shot based on what he did up until that point— Uh, I would have said Nacho Ambris. But coming off Huesca, which, you know, maybe there's a million stories as to why he failed in his brief time in the Spanish second division. Uh, And now this, it seems like his stock is a little bit down, or at least from where it was maybe two or three years ago, Herc. You think Costa Rica uh, could be a good spot for him? I think he might end up in MLS, dude. You don't think he'd be a good fit in MLS? No, no, no. Listen,
1: I said Costa Rica was heating up with him. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you he's going to be a hot manager on the market. Listen, Cruz Azul... That could be a landing spot. I don't know. In my mind, I see Cruz Azul doing something to change what they've done recently. And I see Alexis Vega. I see Ignacio Ambriz. I see Nacho Ambriz there. I see a, a, a team making a comeback. But no doubt, teams like Cruz Azul um, are going to be looking for Ignacio Ambriz without a doubt. I mean, just as recently as right before Diego Coca was named the Mexican national manager, he was one of the prime candidates. For the national team, so he's a hot commodity. I've got no doubt he'll rebound, find a job fairly quickly. I'm just a little worried of the direction of TSG, of TSG, Mm -hmm. because this is a team that, like I said, one year ago was playing for a final, eliminated Club America in a semifinal, playing for a final against Pachuca. What, you don't like that? I'm just stating how they got there. No, I'm
0: saying as an America fan, Toluca having problems is fine by me. If there's one team that uh, you kind of look to avoid... Come Liguea time, you don't want nothing to do with it, uh, it would definitely be Toluca. Or Toluca would at least be on the list. All right, we got a big weekend of soccer coming up this weekend here on ESPN, Plus, and it really leads us into just a great week of action across the platform. So this weekend, of course, we got El Clásico, we told you about that, Barcelona, Real Madrid. We've got Der Clásico in the Air de Viz with PSV against Ajax. And then midweek, we got Carabao Cup action, West Ham, Arsenal, Bournemouth, Liverpool, Man United, Newcastle. And then next weekend, so Saturday, November 4th, we got Der Klassiker in Germany. Borussia Dortmund against Bayern Munich. All of that available for you right here on ESPN+. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the show. Herc, before we get out of here, what you wearing over there?
1: I don't even know what I'm wearing. It's a Kunaguero shirt. I'll tell you uh-huh. all about it later. Just know it's pretty nice. I've got to figure out who sent this to me because it's a really nice shirt. If you wow. sent me... <laughs> I, I lost I, I got home It was already open. the package I don't know Who it was from I'm sorry But it's a dope shirt
0: mm-hmm. Knowing that you uh, Work side by side With Mauricio Pedrosa And he's a huge city fan I'm wondering If you just stole it Off his desk That's what my bet would be He,
1: he jealously Did not even acknowledge it I'll tell you that wow. By the way Ahora nunca Tomorrow Rafa Marquez
0: Ooh, What a guest What a pull Okay so That's uh, What time Uh, 3.30 Pacific time. Pacific, okay. So 6.30 Eastern yeah, time on ESPN It'll be Deportes. on YouTube as well. Okay. And uh, Okay, it'll be on YouTube as well, I'm told. All right, so we'll, there he is. We'll He's her. It. I'm Seb. Thanks for watching, and we will see you uh, on the next edition of this show on Monday. Ali Krieger uh, said to join us, Woo. so we look forward to that. Have a good weekend, everybody.